Well, good morning, and as has already been mentioned, Merry Christmas. It is so good to see you this morning. I want to welcome all of you here as well as those who are joining us in the cafe and online. Welcome and Merry Christmas to you as well. My name is Josh. I'm one of the ministers here at Clear Creek. If this is your first time with us, know that you are a special guest in our family today as we remember the one who started our family, Jesus Christ. He began the family and now he invites us into the family. All month we have been looking at this one word, Advent. And today I want us to come to the final moment. Advent, this is the season four weeks before Christmas Day. Historically, it has been the celebration of remembering Christ's coming and return. In fact, Advent means coming or arrival. It means the coming or the arrival of Jesus Christ. And historically, since about the mid-400 A.D., this has been the time where Christians have said, we remember the two comings of Jesus. We remember that Jesus came as a baby, and we anticipate his return as our king. And so Christmas is not just about the birth. It's about saying, we believe that he will come again. Now, I want to start this morning with a question. And here's the question. Are you ready? Who is coming to your house for Christmas? Who is coming to your house? Now, 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 if you're like my family, uh, no one is coming to our house for Christmas. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, it's just, we're going to take it easy. Then we're going to go and we're going to be like, uh, how many of you have seen the, uh, the edited TV version, cute statement there, of Christmas Vacation? We're going to be like the cousins who descend on all the family in just a few weeks. We're going, to, we're going to go into Nashville, visit my family, and then we'll go up to Lindsay's family in Indiana, and we're just going to have a great time. But maybe you're not going somewhere. Maybe people are coming to your house. And so my question is, who is coming to your house? Now, I know for some of us, when we think about those with whom we may be interacting over the next few days or week. For some, you are just so excited. It's like, this is the time of year. We get to be with cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents. We get to eat food and have fun. And then there are others of you who are going, yeah, but somebody's got to do all the cleaning before they show up. Somebody's got to prepare the food before everyone arrives and eats like locusts. Everything will be gone. Someone has to prepare the bed. Someone has to prepare the presents. Someone has to baby-proof the entire house, like putting bubble wrap everywhere because they're going to come and mess it all up. And my question is, who's coming to your house? Here's the reality for many of us when we think about those who are coming They do not simply bring themselves, but they often bring, as has been mentioned this morning, they bring a level of stress with them. Kind of get an, oh yeah. Some of you know what I'm talking about. People show up, they come in, and they bring good things, but man, there's the stress that goes with it. And if you're like us, you feel like, well, I've got to get the house clean. I've got to make it look right. I've got to have the decorations out. And if this person or this group of people are coming, then I'm going to have to make sure that I have this particular photo with my kids and them, put that on the uh, mantle, and when they leave, get the other one up with the other people on it. And it's exhausting just to have guests. Here's the good news of Advent. There is someone who has come 
who wants to enter into the home of your life, but he promises not to bring extra stress. The promise that the angels proclaim in Luke chapter 2 is that he would be the embodiment of peace. These are the words from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. I want you to see this as we think about the fourth candle. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And I love this statement. And they were terrified. It's like, that's an understatement. You're out there hanging out with the boys. You got the sheep. You haven't bathed in two or three weeks. After all, you're just with boys and sheep. It doesn't matter. And then an angel appears. And it says, and they were terrified. And this is what happens next. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Some of us need to hear these words more than anything else. Right now, you're in a situation and you simply need the reassurance that fear does not have to rule your home. You're in a situation and you need the reassurance that fear does not have to rule your heart. You're in a situation and you need the reassurance that God says, I come not to bring fear, but to bring peace. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby. Because what could be less threatening than a baby? You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying these words, glory to God in the highest. And say these words with me. Are you ready? And on earth to those on whom his favor rests. The promise of Advent, the promise of this season is that God comes not to create stress, but to bring peace. How many of us this morning could use a little extra peace I know I could. I was telling Lindsay the other night, I was, I was getting ready to finally decompress from a busy season, and, and, and she is such a good wife. She puts up with so much for me, but I, I get home, and I'm just like, this has been a miserable season. And she's like, well, Merry Christmas to you, too. And I'm like, it's just been busy. I've not been able to do this. I've not been able to do that. I've been stressed. And, and, and it was just that moment that I was like, I need the reminder that Jesus comes to bring peace even when the world around me is less than peaceful. Now, here's the thing. If you're like me, you, you hear these words, on earth, peace. You hear the words, on earth, peace, and you say, well, that sounds great. I would love to have that peace. But here's the challenge. Many of us, when we have a picture of peace, we have a wrong view or too small a view of peace. For most of us, when we hear the word peace, this is what we think of. We think of peace as an absence of conflict, But peace is not merely the absence of open conflict. It is not merely that there are not wars and fights. In fact, how many of us know you can have an absence of war and still have an absence of peace? How many of you lived through the Cold War? Can I see some hands here? How many of you remember that the United States and the former USSR were at war? Now, it was not open conflict, but was there peace between nations? I remember my dad talking about growing up and going to school and being taught these very important words, duck and 
cover. You guys remember this, right? Because if a nuclear bomb drops, of course, hiding under your little wooden desk is going to protect you. But how many of us know, even though the USA and the USSR were not openly fighting, there was no peace? See, here's the thing. Many of us view peace as the absence of conflict, but that is too small a view for what God wants to give to you. The biblical picture of peace is this. It comes from the Hebrew word shalom or the Greek word irene. And it literally means wholeness or completion. Biblical peace is not the absence of something. It is the fullness of something. It's the idea of all these complex parts of your life working together in harmony, not rubbing with friction, but working in unison. That's the picture of peace. And here's what the promise is. When the angels came, they say, peace on earth, irene on earth. There will be wholeness now. There will be completion now. And so you say, well, that sounds great, but have you seen the world? How can there be peace? And some of us are saying, you know, I don't even care what's going on out there. I've got this stuff in me. How can there be peace in here? For instance, some of us, you go, man, that sounds great, peace on earth. I forget on earth. I just want peace in me. I mean, after all, my past decisions have led to some very unpeaceful moments in my present. And for others, you're saying, it's not the past. Rather, it's my present circumstances. I've done everything I know how, but things just do not work. It's like gears grinding in the car. Uh, I remember the first, uh, one of the first vehicles I had was a old Ford Ranger truck with a stick shift. How many of you drove a stick shift ever in your life? Oh, bless you and praise God. I remember when I first bought that truck, I drove from Houston, Texas in my old little car, left the old car in Nashville, got the truck that I'd bought. I had never driven a stick shift before, but I had to make a 15-hour drive back to Texas. I got to tell you, my prayer life was amazing during those hours. But I remember the number of times that I would try to shift gears and like, I mean, it sounded like I was strangling an animal, the sounds that were coming out of that vehicle. How many of you would say that's what your life looks like and describing it? It's the gears. They just don't line up. Things are just not, you say, peace on earth. I just want peace in me, my past, my presence. I, I just don't know. But here's the incredible thing. Notice what they say in this verse. They say, it is for, go to this next slide, that peace It's when life works together. It's not when the gears grind. It's not when things are broken. But being at peace is when life works together, when things are are, are working. And and some of us say, well, I, I can't get that. But rather, notice he says, it is for all people. Next slide. This peace is available for all people. And I know some in this room, you say, well, if I'd only made better decisions in the past, then I could have peace. Hear me now. The promise is not just those who made good decisions in the past. Well, if I just had different circumstances now, then I'd have peace. Listen, the promise is not for those who have certain circumstances today. And then there are others in here. You say, well, it's not my past. It's not my present. Rather, it's just all the people in my life. Then I would have peace. And some of you, when you hear the word people, you're thinking of the little people in your house. I'd have peace if they'd stop messing up everything, drawing on the walls, puking on the furniture, real stories. And you just go, then I'd have peace. Then others of you say, no, it's not the little people. It's the person I'm living with. If my spouse were just better, then I'd have peace. Or it's my boss, then I'd have peace. Or it, listen, 
One of the best verses in the entire New Testament is Romans chapter 12, verse 18, in which the Apostle Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, the peace that God promises at the birth of Christ is bigger than your past, your present, or other people. In fact, living at peace is not dependent on others. Rather, write this down, living at peace is living dependently on Jesus. It's not being dependent on others, it's living dependently on Jesus. And some of us are saying, well, how do I get that peace? What do you mean living dependently on Jesus? Well, very simply, the angels explain what it means to live dependently on Jesus in the three titles they give to him. Notice what they call Jesus in this next verse. says, today in the town of David... A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. See, living at peace and dependent on Jesus means you recognize that you and I recognize that I cannot save ourselves. There's things going on. Have you noticed there are some relationships you just cannot seem to fix no matter how much you try? And maybe you've never dealt with that, but I sure have. There's some situations I'm doing what I can, but I keep running headlong into the brick wall of reality. I go, I can't fix this. I need someone to fix it for me. Dependent living on Jesus is saying, I need a savior because I can't save myself. And saying, I trust you to do the work I can't do. He is Christ because you need a savior, but to live at peace is not simply to be saved, You need someone who's going to be the Christ in your life. The word Christ comes from the idea of anointed one. It was the act of pouring oil over a particular person as to distinguish that person as the king. To say, this is the one who will be king. This will be the one who is chosen to rule. Listen to me. If you want peace in your life, you say, I need someone to save me, but I also need someone who can rule me well. How many of our decisions, church, how much of our stress is because of the bad decisions we have made for ourselves in our lives? And as if to put a finer point in saying you just need a king, he says, you need a lord. You want to know what a really good word for a lord is in our modern context? You ready? You need a boss. I need a, you go, I'm married to a boss. No, that's not what we're talking about. Your boss is that person, it is that individual, it is whatever you say, your Word trumps everything else. See, it's one thing to say I need to be saved. It's another thing to say I need someone now to show me how to live saved. I need someone who can say, don't do this. You see how this pattern of behavior has caused all this pain in your life. But if you will listen to what I say, Jesus says, you will experience fullness of peace. I think about the moments where I've had the most pain. It is almost always in the moments where I have chosen to be my own boss. But wholeness, completion is available when we say, I need a savior and I need a boss who will lead me and love me. Because here's the thing, Jesus loves you more than you even love yourself. He will only ever tell you what to do that is good for you. He's the one who takes the gears and he meshes them and says, listen, as you walk the way I tell you to walk, as you live the way I show you to live, you will have a wholeness and completion that you will never have if you try to make it work on your own. So it simply is a matter, living dependently is saying, I need a savior and I need a boss. 
I need someone who will lead me, love me, and guide me in whatever is going on. Now, here's the big question. As we think about what it looks like to live dependently on Jesus, how how do we do that? This morning, we are going to light the candle of peace. This is the fourth and final candle. And in just a moment, we're actually going to light not just these candles, but others. In fact, if you do not have a candle, just raise your hand. Our ushers are going to bring one to you. But as we prepare our hearts for this moment, I want you to consider with me that the peace candle, as each one of these represents something, you have the candle of hope, which means God is not done yet. Means that whatever I see in this world, the brokenness that's around me, hope is that God is not done with those out there and God is not done in here. How many of you are so grateful that God is not done working on you? Is anyone happy about that this morning? To know that he is not done with you yet, that's what hope symbolizes And then the love candle symbolizes that no matter what I've done, where I've been, who I've hurt, who's hurt me, that God loves me. God loves you. And it's not based on performance. It's based on your position that he has chosen you as his child. And then the third one that we looked at last week, the rose candle is joy. And you say, why is it a different color? Well, it's because joy is so much different from happiness, what the world tries to peddle. And joy symbolizes, this candle symbolizes that Jesus comes in and gives you a rock-solid sense that all is well even when life isn't working. It is something from the inside out that Jesus gives joy. And so today, we light the fourth one, the candle of peace. And the peace candle simply symbolizes that Jesus brings wholeness. It's because he gives hope love, and joy that he makes life work. My question to you this morning is who's coming to your house this year? A lot of you are saying, I really would love to have this kind of peace. Boy, that sounds good, but I just don't know. We talk about his first coming and his second coming, but do you understand, church, there's the third coming of Jesus as well. St. Bernard of Clairvaux, no, he wasn't a dog. St. Bernard of Clairvaux made the point, though, that although we remember his first coming and we remember his second coming, there's a third coming. And it is right here in the middle. It's in the now. It's in this moment where we simply say, I need a savior. I need a boss. Someone who loves me more than I could love myself. Someone who has demonstrated that love by dying for me and being raised for me. Listen, if, if you are hungry for this kind of peace, it will not come from trying harder. It will only come from receiving what Christ offers. So many of us are just begging for more, and so we say, well, I, I want this hope, love, joy, and peace, but listen, the coming of Jesus now is what gives us hope, gives us love, gives us peace, gives us joy. Joy.